want to read this passage from the book of Mark, chapter 2, as I talk to you a little bit today about new wine with the overarching idea of embracing and laying hold of and going for the new. In Mark, chapter 2, Jesus is kind of typically in disagreements with the religious leaders of his day. You know, they're always always peppering him with questions, really trying to get him. A lot like when newscasters today are talking to politicians or actually to anyone. You know, they're always looking for that little uh, sound bite that they can use to increase the sales, uh, the attention, the, what do they call it, the people that are logging in to their website, whatever that might be. And here's, here's one of them. So... The Pharisees come up to Jesus, and they point this out to him early in his ministry. They go, now John's disciples, you know, John the Baptist, they say John's disciples, and and, and even the Pharisees, the Bible notes, were fasting. So some of the people came up and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting but yours are not, you know? See, again, if they could just catch him, uh, in his answer, if he somehow criticizes John the Baptist, who's supposed to be on the same team as him, or maybe the Pharisees, which may a little bit be on the other side, you know, they can catch him on that. Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? They cannot as long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. (laughs) Nobody goes to a party and says, hey, Matt, I'd like to join you all today, but hey, I'm fasting. Well, then why did you come to my party? You know, New Year's Year's Day is not a great day to fast, although I know a lot of times we start the year with fasting. Uh, He goes on to say this. Jesus notes, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear even worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. What is it, I want you to ask yourself today, what is it that God may be bringing new in your life? Could be just, it could be something as simple as a new way of thinking, a paradigm shift, which in my life I found out may not seem like much at the time, but that can make a huge difference in the days to come. Maybe God's going to bring into your life a, a new idea, a new strategy. Uh, you know, we, we have this way, especially as we age, but I think even young people are like this, uh, we have this way of kind of, you know, resisting change. Now, sometimes we don't mind change. We just don't want to change. Uh you know, we can get into routine. Marguerite and I recently got back on a couple trips. We went to Europe with uh, with, with Dan and Lindsay, and then a little, little while after that, we went to Hawaii with Jeff, my son Jeff, his wife Kelly, and then their three kids, three of our grandkids. And whenever Marguerite and I, at any time, in Hawaii, we stayed at one place. It was easy. Europe, we were someplace different almost every night. No matter what room I walked into, here's how much I don't like change in some areas. I would find the side of the bed 
that relates to the side of the bed I sleep with every night at home and go put my stuff on that nightstand, kind of like an explorer, you know, staking his claim. Hey, Marguerite, this is my side of the bed. You know, sometimes it would kind of mess me up because at our house, I may like the TV that I look at from bed here and hotel room that may be over here, over there. Still, I liked that side of the bed. Now see, when we get into stuff like that, it kind of helps us to not have to worry about stuff. I, I remember, you ever heard stories about Einstein, Albert Einstein, the great genius? You know, he would be absent-minded. He would, off. they would say anyway, he would sometimes maybe get lost walking home. And there are a lot of different reasons for that, but the primary reason I, I heard about is that Einstein liked to fill his brain not with mundane issues like what side of the bed you're gonna sleep on, stupid Jim, or other issues like that, or even how to walk home, what directions to take. He liked to fill his brain with more important things like physics and how to, you know, how to better understand than the universe. Uh, see, we, we have to start thinking about it. So my question to you right now becomes this. When does a routine, like what side of the bed you want to sleep on, what, when does the routine become just simply a rut? When is it something that it's okay? Because come on, that's no big deal. Uh, when, in fact, I'm thinking right now, Marguerite and I, as I'm talking to you, still have most of our luggage in Maui. I, I won't go to the whole story. And this is weeks and weeks ago because we were there at the very outbreak of the tragic fire in Maui. And we didn't even understand the extent of it until we got home. And at first, which was an irritation to me, that we had gotten out, I won't give you all the details right now, but we had been able to fly home, but weren't able to get to her hotel to get anything that was in the hotel, which is all of our luggage. Thankfully, we all had our license, you know, IDs with us. All of it's still in the hotel, including, by the way, my golf clubs. I'm still praying about that. I was really irritated about that until I found out the magnitude and the incredible tragedy of lost lives. I bring all that up right now because that's been long enough where it's forced me to have to replace things, to get some new things I don't like to get new. Uh, I hate to confess this right now, uh, but I've had a purse for a long time. Uh, some, what do people sometimes call it if it's a man? A merce? <laughs> Although I one time looked this up. Did you know, at least in my shallow studies I checked on the internet, purses were initially created for males and not for females. So there, for all of you that are getting mad at me right now. But I kind of have to have something to carry all my stuff because a lot of times when I travel, even just to go someplace, I have my iPad with me. I got all kinds of stuff. So it's just easier to have like a little manly purse I carry with me. Then I can take out the wallet if I'm gonna go out walk or go to a restaurant, I don't need to take all of it, I have that. Guess what, I had to get a new one and it really irritated me because even to this day, I'm still hoping and believing that maybe we'll get some of the stuff back. Uh, but you know what? When I finally did get the purse, my new purse, it was different, the one I've gotten used to and used now for years, they don't make it anymore. I suppose I could have gone on eBay and tried to find an old one, but I just got the new version. I like it better. I would have never changed in a million years. I like it better. Something as simple as an electric razor to keep my beard cut how I like. <laughs> no comments. I like my beard right now. I had to go get this new electric razor. I thought, no, no, Marguerite, it's okay. I'll just grow out a beard. I'll end up looking like David Letterman. And then hopefully the electric razor will get shipped back. And if not, 
then we'll buy a new one. No, no, Mark, Mark is like, it's only cost a few bucks, just buy a new one. When she first got it, I was like, ah, I don't like that, I'm not gonna use it. Well, again, I decided to use it and I hated to admit it to Marguerite because she likes to kind of give me that look of, I told you so, I like that electric razor better. I had to get something new for my, my medicine. I take a little bit of medicine every day uh, and I, had, I left my little pill box, which I had gotten used to, and they don't make those kinds of pill boxes anymore. Same thing happened. We finally just a little bit, Marguerite helped me, boom, she got this new pill box. I don't like it, I don't wanna use it. I'll just remember whether or not I took the pills. And she goes, no, 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 you, <laughs> you need a pill box. I like the new one better. The only one I haven't caved on yet are my golf clubs, because they're pretty expensive. So I'm just still using borrowed golf clubs right now. All, right now. All that to say is that there are so many things that we're resistant to trying something new. What is it you're resisting right now that God wants to bring new into your life? And, and often, even though we're resistant, if we'll just give it a try, a fair try, we end up liking it better. This issue came up initially because uh, uh, the religious leaders were trying to compare how Jesus did things to how John the Baptist did things. John the Baptist, his disciples are fasting. Jesus, your disciples are not fasting, and yet they're on the same team. I think it's good for us to know that we can be on the same team with people who do things differently. And even, even as I'm talking to you right now, trying to encourage you to embrace maybe some new things that God has for you. Well, I know that some of you are gonna wanna hang on to some things that I would probably wanna let go of, and you're gonna want to embrace some things in the Lord that I may go, ah, you know, I'm not sure I, I would go that direction. I love how Paul writes in Galatians. He says, each one, talking about comparison, he says, each one should test their own actions. I like that. Then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to someone else. The Bible on at a couple occasions warns us against comparing too much. And we live in a culture that that's all we do. Every time we go on, on uh, our smart devices and start looking at TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is people are looking at today, right away we're comparing ourselves to what they're doing. Oh, they're having more fun. They look better than I do. They have more money than I have. Uh, the shape of their bodies is a thousand times better than the shape of my body, whatever it is. But the Bible says, watch out for comparison. You know why? Because when we compare, one of two things could happen and neither one's particularly good. Uh, one thing we can do, like I just illustrated, we can go, oh man, I, you know, I'm not as good as that. Or, which maybe is even worse, I don't know, is when you look at someone else and go, man, I may be messed up, I may be bad, but at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Now, the Bible says, no, 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 test your own actions. You know, take pride in yourself and what you're doing without comparing yourself to, to somebody else. The key thought here is that Jesus is pointing out that uh, a new context oftentimes requires something new. In this case, Jesus used the illustration of a, of a groom at his wedding and all the guests are there. He goes, he goes, listen, I'm here right now. This is not the time. He says, there will be again a time and a place to fast, but this isn't it. Uh, sometimes we have to realize that where God is taking us, what got us to where we're at which is beautiful, and God has done so many incredible, fabulous things, but that's not gonna take us 
to where we need to go. And even if we're used to going one particular route, God may say, take a different route this time. I remember when the wise men, after they had come to baby Jesus and, and brought their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, the Holy Spirit warned them not to go back the same way because, you know, Herod was, was out to get people. So it says they went a different way. Sometimes you got to go a different way. Although I don't always trust my GPSs, do you? <laughs> Sometimes I'm on ways and I've followed ways before and I think, you know what? I got off the freeway here to try to miss some traffic and now I'm on side streets with stoplights and traffic. Add to that the fact that a bunch of other people with ways are also getting awesome. At any rate, I trust the Holy Spirit. I semi-trust, semi-trust ways. You know the old saying, if I do what, I, what I've always done, I'll get what I've always got. But the key issue becomes this when we're talking about, you know, embracing the new. Here, here's a key issue. How do I know what things to hang on to? Yeah, th th things to keep. And what do I know and what things should I embrace? What, what new things should I move on to? And I say that because sometimes to embrace the new, you've got to let go of the old. Some things got to die in order to embrace what is new. You know, why do we hang on? Like, like, like the purse I was mentioning earlier, you know, or, or a pillbox that had gotten pretty dirty. Um, I'm, I'm glad I have a new pillbox for my medicine right now. It's better, it works better, and it's, it looks a lot cleaner, all, all the above. Sometimes it's just, I don't know, it could be nostalgia, sentimental value. I know some of us are, uh, what are they called nowadays, hoarders or, or pack rats. Uh, my parents, and especially my grandparents, came out of the Depression. I think a lot of that generation is starting to go on to be with the Lord right now. But those that came out of the generation, when I was young, there was almost kind of a joke. You could kind of tell people that came out of the generation, out of that generation of the Depression, because they never wanted to throw anything away. There was that leftover lingering fear of not having enough, enough clothes, enough food. So man, I mean, they, they wouldn't let go of anything. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't want to get rid of this. Someday I might need it. Though I have discovered that when I finally do need it and remember I have it, <laughs> often things are put away so well or things are so messy that I can't find it anyway. So I've learned a lot of things I needed to just get rid of. And if a couple years from now I find out, oh man, I could use that right now, I'll just go get a new one. I want you to get this. When you continue what you should change, you become irrelevant. Ooh, that's big. One of the main reasons I'm preaching this message right now is for this comment right now, and it ain't just for old folks. Let me say that one again. When we continue as a church, as families, as individuals, whatever, when we continue what we should change, we become irrelevant. On the other hand, here's another one. When we change what we should continue, we become unstable. So watch. When we continue what we should change, we become irrelevant. And then if we change what we should continue, we very often can become unstable. 
A classic example of this is that our, our deep values and our principles shouldn't change. One of my favorite statements I use in talking to leaders, and it's obviously not original with me because it's, it's kind of a saying, goes like this. Methods are many. Principles are few. Methods change often. Principles never do. Let me say that again. Methods are many but principles are few. Methods change often, but principles never do. I mean, if you're in church, there are some things that should never change. I mean, Jesus is Lord. He's the center of everything we're building. Now, the different methods we use to embrace that, to get the gospel out, they may change weekly, monthly, yearly, certainly from generation to generation. That's why I don't have any problem at all um, having new music all the time that reaches this generation. Uh, I've become old, I have to confess, some of the old Jesus Freak songs and some of the old, way before that, some of the old hymns, I still like those things. But I, I realized that that's not the principle. Let me say it like this, that's not the milk, it's the carton. So the carton can change as long as the milk stays the same. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods change often, principles never do. You know, and, and by the way, changing methods, changing wineskins is not always easy. Uh, in fact, back in the days of Christ, if you're gonna have a new wineskin, wineskins back in those days were made of animal skins, sheep or goats. So to get a new wineskin, this will preach, involves sacrifice. It took a sacrificed sheep or a sacrificed goat to produce this new wineskin. Is someone look at me right now? I know sometimes to start to head the directions that God wants us to head. And yeah, we're not gonna let go of our eternal principles, but to embrace some of the new things God has for us, man, it's gonna take some time. It's costly, it's expensive, it's, it's sacrificial. Something has to die and a price has to be paid. And yet, even when we're young, and certainly as we, as we get older, as we age, we need a new structure to survive, to even survive, because wineskins are all about structure. The wine goes into the structure. Um, it takes a, a new structure j just to survive. When you get to be my age, you can no longer just bound out of bed in the morning when the alarm goes off. Now, I feel pretty good for my age. I'm 71 right now, if, if you're wondering. <laughs> and uh, you know, when I was a kid, man, for years and decades, I could just you know set the alarm late, get as much sleep as I wanted, and then bam, just jump out of bed, rush to get wherever to wherever I need to go. I have to be careful with that now. Um, I have prioritized things in my life, like stretching, core exercises. I've, I've prioritized things that are, are like that for my soul and my mind. So not just with my body stretching and doing core, I kind of do the equivalent of core exercises, if you will, for my mind and for my spirit as well. You know, the old wineskins get crusty and old and they don't flex anymore. And that's one symptom of old age. Uh, it reminds me, however, of that old saying, which is often attributed to Winston Churchill, but as I've researched it, I think it's doubtful whether Churchill really said it. He says, any young person who's not a liberal has no heart, and any old person who's not a conservative has no brain. You know, and there's there, 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 there's some truth in that old, 
old little saying right there. But but you need a new story because when you get old, <laughs> I mean, have you, ever, so have, you ever, have you ever seen an old person, you're just, just all messed up? I say old, I mean younger than me even. And they're all, oh. I go, what happened, man? Did you get hit by a car? No, I sneezed. <laughs> and their wineskins now are, are so old and brittle that just to just sneeze. Listen, as you age, you have to, you have to ask, how can I thrive? What wineskins do I need to thrive in this season of my life? There's all kinds of adjectives you could use to describe the different decades that we go through, but I heard someone the other day called it the, the teachable teens, the childish 20s, <laughs> when you think you're going to conquer the world, the terrific 30s, the fabulous 40s, the forceful 50s, the seasoned 60s, the settled 70s, the aching 80s, the nebulous 90s. You see, see, when we're young, we can overwhelm a lot of our problems and issues just with the brute strength and enthusiasm of age, uh, of, of being young. When we get older, we can't do that anymore. We, we need new structure. It, it takes wisdom. It's, as I've watched my, my mom age, and she's not quite all the way to the end yet, but I've noticed old people, there's the old saying that you kind of tend to go from a cane, uh, then to a walker, to a wheelchair, and then you're bedridden, and then you're in the grave. <laughs> makes, makes me want to go someday. If I'm in the wheelchair, I, I'm going to want to slow my roll, baby. I'm going to try to slow things down. You go from that cane to a walker, to a wheelchair, to a bed, to a grave. Uh, and a lot of things in life when you're young are easier. Uh, it, it's easier when you're a young person to risk everything. I remember when Marguerite and I were in our 20s, there were several times God have us God had us give almost everything uh, we had financially to a certain cause. That gets harder when you get old because when you're younger, your everything isn't as much as it is as when you get older. So that wineskin is a, a structure. Now, in talking about em embracing the anew, it's critical that we continue to devise structures like a new wineskin. If we're going to if we're going to put new wine in there, we're going to have to have to some extent a new wine skin, wine skin. So we devise structures that are based upon where we want to go and not simply where we've been. Wine in the Bible is is a, is a symbol of joy. Uh, and and new wine, of course, as it ferments, uh, it has gases come out of it. It just expands. And if you put new wine into an old, white, brittle wine skin, that wine is just going to eventually break open as it expands the old, brittle wine skin. And as Jesus pointed out, then you lost everything, man. Now you don't have your methods, your structures, the songs you used to sing. You don't have, you don't have anything left anymore. I, in fact, I cracked up the other day when I was drinking a, a bottle of water, and I know bottles are out right now. I'm, I'm, I'm making the transition, so before you criticize me for the plastic bottles, but I did notice this, which I never knew before, that water has an expiration date on it. I'm like, what? Water has, I, you know, I know most things do. Then when I really thought about it and even researched a little bit, technically it's not the water that has the expiration date. It's the wineskin. It's the plastic bottle. And uh, water, in, in theory, is not going to go wrong, uh, bad in and of itself. 
but bottles can begin eventually to leach chemicals into the water. It can begin to deteriorate and contaminate. Uh, it can make things taste different. Uh, same thing can happen in church. Listen, there is nothing wrong with Jesus. And some of those old hymns that we sing, those may be great hymns, but there's probably an, an ex expiration date to us. I like to point out all the time when I'm teaching on stuff like this, that even these old hymns that we think are sanctified were sometimes the cool music of its time. One of my favorite hymns uh, by the great Martin Luther, not Dr. King, but the German reformer Martin Luther of the 1600s, it was called in German, Ein Festus Berg, or A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Remember that hymn? I'm not a great singer, but I, I think you'll recognize this, you know. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Uh, kind of lost it there at the end, but I think you recognized it. Uh, you know, for some people, oh man, that's the kind of songs we should be singing today, the song, you know what I learned? That while Martin Luther did indeed write, write the words to that song, that tune was a popular German barroom tune of his day. I mean, somewhere back there in the 1600s or 1500s, whenever it was, Germans were going around singing, dun, 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 dun. it wasn't about Jesus, dun, 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 and getting drank, chasing women, and all the rest. Luther said, if that's where the people are at, I want to reach my generation. Remember, methods are many, principles are few. Jesus doesn't change, but the way we, we, we present it might. Oh, well, there's so much more I got to say, but I'm swiftly running out of time here. Let me just say a couple more things to you to encourage you before we're done. As we embrace the new and, and try to hang on to some of the old, sometimes old things are better. I've just been finding out I know you guys have known this for a long time, but as Marguerite and I have tried to get healthier and healthier in our eating, I've discovered that the old cast iron skillets, which at one time were thought to be dangerous because of the iron, um, if they're done right, are actually better for you than some of the newfangled stuff. I remember when Teflon first came out in pans, and people thought Teflon's the greatest thing ever because nothing sticks. Then they finally found out that Teflon leaches chemicals and, and can be more dangerous than the stuff that, that Teflon was, was meant to help. All that to say, there are some things that we need to hang on to, even by way of method, uh, if you will, even by way of structure, and even by way of wineskin. But there's so much more that, that we need to embrace, but, but that's new. Look at me right now. Don't, if, if, if you're aging, don't be afraid to embrace some of the new things. Don't die before you die. I wanna say that again to you. Don't die before you die. Keep embracing the new. And this is kind of obvious, no matter how old you are, either in spirit or in age, if you go to the store and are trying on new shoes without anyone saying anything to you, you will take off your old shoes before you try on your new shoes. And that's what Paul says we should do as Christians. Paul says when we accept Christ, we should take off the old man. And in this case, a lot of that's really can I say, I almost said a word, uh, a lot's really cruddy anyway. So take off that old nasty sinful stuff you have on, all these clothes, take it off and put on the new. No one has to tell you to take off your old shoes before you try on the new shoes. You do it 
automatically. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the old shoes, <laughs> if you will. Or he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Well, I, I want to encourage you right now, don't, don't hold back from anything new that, that God might have for you. It's time for the church. Faith is, in, is entering into some new things that are going to be exciting. Will it be a little bit different for some people? Maybe, but it's good. It's, this new wine is going to need new wineskins. Fear will, fear will always go like this. Fear will always say, well, what if? <laughs> Those are two of fear's favorite words, what if? You know, what, what if I stay here and, and, and no one ever rescues me? Or what if I try that and it doesn't work? What if I, faith has a different two words. Faith says, I know where God wants me to go. And even if, even if all hell breaks out against me, even if I fail, I'm going to keep on keeping on and become the kind of person that God wants me to be. So, so my question for you today is, are you going to live with what if? Hang back and hold on. What if this, and out of fear? Or by faith, are you going to say, like Abraham, I'm going to go to the new land that God has for me. And even if I have to face a lot of giants in that land, a lot of problems, I'm going to keep on keeping on because through Jesus, I am more than a conqueror. Jesus is victor.